Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the twenties, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflit. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, as always, you can call us the front of the plane because we are all business. We're all business to begin with, Michael. And I know <laughs> I haven't been watching The Sopranos. I promise. I promise. Not The Sopranos, though. You can follow this podcast, Podcast Horseman, on Twitter or Instagram at podcast horseman if you'd like to do that come and follow us talk yourself horse about a talking horse and worthy about it why not follow your host as well you can follow me on twitter at it's adam nicholas or you can follow michael hamlet at michael hamlet and um, you can subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts. we would love you to do that you can follow along with the podcast on spotify we'd love you to do that you can subscribe on Acast. we'd love you to do that really we'd love you to listen to the podcast however you choose to get your podcasts unfortunately we think you can find us on all of them also you can get the podcast every week on the uh, at podcast horseman twitter feed every friday morning that will be lovingly updated by adam nicholas himself it's like in a little embedded link in the tweet you can listen through the player or you can go and find it through their link as well all good stuff and if you'd like to leave us a five-star review you can can do mostly we believe through apple Podcasts. there are rumors that spotify and other various podcast platforms can leave reviews but really any way that you can five stars would be wonderful uh comments whether they're nasty or the nice we don't think the uh, the podcast apps can actually read them they just get us up the charts and that's what we like as nicholas says it gets more people talking themselves horse about a talking horse gets more people find the podcast so if you want to leave them that would be great and as an added bonus if you leave a review you may get a star on the hollywood talk of fame just uh, to recap for anybody that might be new to the podcast this week for the first time again why have you joined us now get all the way back to the start if you leave us a little review we'll read your name out at the end you'll get your own very special customized bojack star there'll be another one of them coming at the end of this week's episode too yes there will and in it's like sort of exact contrast to last week's episode michael we will actually have a horse to talk about this week, <laughs> and we will be able to talk ourselves horse because despite the fact that bojack was nowhere to be seen in the last mm. episode he is back for this episode which is as netflix will tell you Season 4, Episode 2, The Old Sugarman Place. Bojack goes off the grid and winds up at his grandparents' dilapidated home in Michigan, where he befriends a dragonfly haunted by the past. Well, Michael, call me a Kit Kat bar because I am already broken. This episode has done so many things. And speaking of broken, splitting it right down the middle with a lovely bit of dual narrative, shall we say. 
Oh, very nice. Very nice indeed. Um, yeah, so we start, oddly enough, at the end of season three. Unlike at the end of last week's episode when we didn't at all. We are back to Bojack staring at the galloping horses from the end of the uh, the finale, obviously, where we just saw them. The wild horses running through the desert. What we didn't see last time was him making one step forward. It appears it's only a very small step, but it appears like he's just going to join them and see what happens. And then he gets a call from Diane. We know from last week this, this is one of the any number of calls she tried to make to get in touch with him while he's been off the grid, while he's been away. He notes that on his phone, but in that one second's hesitation to look at his phone, uh, he looks again and the horses are just disappearing over the horizon. He's missed his chance to run with them at least. Um, he gets back in his car uh, and he drives through the isolated expanse of America. I would be uh, remiss if I didn't mention at this point um, that while he's always alone and just driving and all the visuals are truly stunning to reflect that, it's an audiovisual feast. Uh, because along with all the beautiful scenery, this is all set to a wonderful cover by Patrick Carney and Michelle Branch, uh, a horse with no name. Um, it sort of implies complete freedom. Obviously, he's tried to escape from LA, as the episode title of a couple of seasons back once told us. Uh, but yet he seems completely trapped by his surrounds at the same time. Um, he stops at a diner. Uh, and as he sits down to have his coffee, there's uh, an episode of Morning Time Hollywood playing on the television with a Ryan Seacrest type asking the question, where's Bojack? He tries to look away from that, but he gets his coffee and it comes with a packet of Sugarman's Sugar. That, of course, calling back to the fact that his mother was the heiress to the Sugarman Sugar Empire. He drops the coffee and leave instantly. Uh, he heads for Michigan. We see the Welcome to Michigan sign as he's driving through. He arrives at a dilapidated and empty lakeside cottage and gets inside. Um, it's been left to rot. Nothing is what it once was. There is just like sort of falling bits of wood. Everything is crumbling. It's a house left to ruin, basically. But on the wall, and still clear enough to view, is a picture of the Sugarman family, all looking somewhat forlorn with, most notably, a child Beatrice, his mother, front and centre. Um, a short description of a grand and indeed grandiose opening. Uh, it feels like as much an opening to season four, again, as it is an opening to this episode. You can definitely be forgiven for watching this episode and thinking this is the opening premiere episode of season four, because mm. that is certainly the way it's pitched. And what a way to kind of open this episode, maybe not the whole season, but opening this episode in, in particular. I mean, we've mentioned it before on the podcast, Bo Jack Horseman does... Driving montages better than mm. almost anyone, I think. Yeah. Uh, if you see Bojack in a car or in a vehicle of some degree, you're probably in for you'll be in for a sad time, but you'll <laughs> yeah. be in for a visually pretty time, which is always nice. And this was no different. Um, one small step for horse mankind. No, fell off, haven't I? One small step for horsemen. One giant leap for horse mankind, Michael, which is almost a one here, which I've never. You know, I've much just met many times, and that's the first time I've really clocked it where mm. he's one step away from joining. And interestingly, I know you said that he nopes Diane's phone call, but actually, he's just about to yep it, and she doesn't, she cuts off or goes to voicemail. Before. Right, sorry, so right, I missed that. Yeah, two chances for to have them little steps, two options. I just thought it was such a lovely way they did that, where Bojack could make a better, a better choice or a different choice or go a different route. And again, he's like a couple of seconds too late. And isn't that quite telling, Michael? Good Lord. Both of those good calls are taken away from him. One of them quite literally so on the phone. The theme of, um, I suppose, like the past 
continues uh, with music again as the episode starts proper. We hear playing on scratchy vinyl, the beautiful girls, the beautiful gals of 44, and it lets us know that we're back to the blissfully happy Sugarman family uh, in wartime 1944, enjoying the summer cottage. Um, a lovely play on the traditional way that they would use music expositionally in the show. Normally it would be in cars or, you know, through someone's iPod. Instead, this time it's on scratchy vinyl. Um, and there's a couple of like really darkly amusing bits that timestamp exactly where we are in case you happen to miss those in this flashback. Um, young Beatrice Horseman uh, takes a sniff of this massive stack of pancakes that her mother, uh, sorry, Beatrice Sugarman, uh, as, uh, that her mother, Honey Sugarman, has put down on the table. But it turns out that's her father, Joseph Sugarman's breakfast. As Honey says to Beatrice, if daddy catches you a sniffing, he'll give you a spanking just for her trying to have a smell of his breakfast. <laughs> and, then, and then Joseph Sugarman saying he needs a big breakfast because he has to travel to work in Indianapolis because, quote, who else will I make uh, sure the numbers add up and compliment my secretary on her tight sweaters? So it is indeed all very much a product of this time, despite obviously those those gags and nothing else to sort of let us know the kind of the time frame which we're in. This does seem to be a broadly happy family unit. Uh, in bursts Crackerjack Sugarman. Uh, he's in army fatigues. We understand quite quickly that he's Beatrice's older brother. He's a uh, Honeyman and Joseph's son, and he's been going to war. Uh, he's in with a soldier friend called Sal. Joseph gives him some money to go and get a freeze pop straight away. Uh, Beatrice is obviously really jealous about this. Uh, she'd love a freeze pop too, and is reminded by her mother, Honey, quote, ice cream is for boys. So she can't have an ice cream. She instead is given a little lemon with sugar to suck on instead. Um, Crackerjack and Honey have this really wonderful mother and son bond. They play piano together. It's just a lovely old time, basically. Joseph quite sternly closes the piano lid as he wants them ready for the family picture that they're going to get taken today. Um, and he notes at this point that they don't really have long to wait until the photographer wants to take his picture because he says, quote, time's arrow neither stands nor reverses. It merely marches forward. An arrow doesn't really march, but they all laugh along anyway because they're all relatively happy. Joseph also says, quote, how did such a sweet face get such a smart mouth as Honey kind of like banters him off for his joke? She says, I've got half a mind to kiss you with that smart mouth. And then he says, well, that's half a mind you can keep. And they kiss. It's really quite blissful. Um, Cracker Jack as well gives his uh, lucky blanket to Beatrice to keep safe uh, while he's away in the war. And they all stand together for the picture that Bojack has, of course, looked at with the photographer brilliantly saying, quote, this is for posterity, so don't forget to look far away, sad. Which is great, because, of course, that's our first wrong footing of this particular episode, which Bojack normally plays with really well. But it's done so brilliantly here, because when Bojack looks at that picture, everything we've ever known about his relationship with Beatrice implies that this family, much like Bojack, is poison. And yet this picture, at least, this moment in time, is a posed one, all despite the, shall we say, male-dominated tones of 1944, is relatively happy in the Sugarman homestead. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty fair analysis, to be honest, because when you look at it, like, it's that moment in time, and I loved, I loved the little gag with the, <laughs> with the photographer, is how many pictures have we seen that I'm sure, like, your relatives or your great-grandparents or whatever have shown you these pictures, and it's like... <laughs> Why were, was everybody staring off like that in these pictures? But I guess the, the biggest scene here is, though, because, you know, obviously accepting the time itself, this is a happy family. This is not like for all intents and purposes. This is a happy family. Yes, mm. obviously at the time, as we can see, a lot of lot of stuff that just would not fly at all uh, <laughs> in the modern society. But it was of the time. They didn't know any different. And they all do seem like oddly happy for anybody mm. associated with Bojack Horseman, put it that way. 
And indeed, I guess for anyone living through wartime, um, Justice Sugarman loves the job, believes that by going and doing the job and indeed complimenting his secretary's tight sweaters, he's providing for his family uh, while his wife is at home raising the children, of course. Um, but obviously, this is the first of a, a time jump, I guess, that will be a theme throughout the episode. Um, if it sounds like we're flicking back and forth between times, it's because the episode does. Um, and at this point, it's, we're back to uh, Bojack. The camera uh, from the photographer flashes and that flashes us back to present day. Um, Bojack awakes on the floor of the house in present day, which of course is still a dump. He goes to wash his face in the bathroom and the tap is broken on the sink. Um, it splashes him all over, so there's a bit of a grumble about that. And he trudges off to the local hardware store where he meets Tamara and Tamara, the girls that work there. Uh, they recognise him as Bojack Horseman, but he tries his best to deny it. And they simply accept it because they think he's too fat to be Bojack Horseman. Uh, he gets pretty cross about this and gives the game away when they say that their <laughs> literal hee-hawing jackass cleaner looks like him. Uh, but then they start asking awkward questions about Sarah Lynn's death and it scares him off out of the shop. Uh, because, of course, he can't escape it no matter how hard he tries. Um, he goes back and he fixes the tap at the house. Uh, and he cheers to himself, but in cheering, he immediately falls through the rotting floor below his feet. And then while he's trapped in the floorboards, the tap breaks again. And when he tries to fix it, it breaks off in his face, knocks him all over the shop, and he ends up with his arm stuck in the wall. He manages to pull his arm out and then falls down the stairs. Nicholas, this house is fucked. Right? Uh, he goes back to the hardware store. Uh, Bojack finds that he's going to be played by Paul Giamatti in the Sarah Lynn movie that, of course, we did hear whispers of in the conversation with Judah and Princess Carolyn from episode one. Um, he kind of like tries to let that information go and he heads back to the house with the supplies to fix that and all the other things that he's broken there. Uh, he chats a bit of shit with a fly neighbour who's very, very angry that the house is in such a state of disrepair. It's, uh, it's bringing the quality of the neighbourhood down. Uh, and then he goes back to the bathroom, tries and fails to fix the floor, falling through yet another hole. He manages to make a different hole and fall through that in the house. This house is seemingly just a series of traps for him to fall through. Uh, seamlessly, another flashback takes us to the uh, the family leaving the summer house one summer. Uh, Joseph says, uh, quote, it'll always be here, like polio and blackface. And then we're back to present day again <laughs> as uh, as Bojack is rowing with the fly neighbour who we find out to be known as Eddie. Um a montage at this point with the picture locked on the house shows time's arrow indeed moving forward through spring, through summer, through autumn and eventually through winter. Interestingly, as people sit on the lake near where the house is based and there's sort of little things change around the scenery, the house does not. There are holes in the roof, there are broken windows, there are holes in the wall and nothing about that is changing. It is winter, there's snow on the ground and we go back in the house to find Bojack lying freezing in a blanket on the floor watching the Sarah Lynn movie on his phone. He's grumbling at uh, the bad job that Paul Giamatti is doing. Um, but this is intercut with this flashback of the Sugarmans coming back to get Cracker Jack's blanket. It's through this rather devastating dialogue that we learn that in the war, Cracker Jack was shot by a Nazi. It's as if that the blanket wouldn't have saved him. Joseph is trying to get a devastated honey to just work through her grief. Um, and even says, quote, if anyone's to blame, it's the Jews for peeving off Hitler so bad. Back to present day. Bojack uh, is watching, the obviously, the film and gets another call from Diane, but he nopes that one um, <laughs> to keep watching Paul Giamatti badly overacting a crying Bojack in hospital when he learns the news of Sarah Lynn's death from a nurse, which, of course, we know to be a complete fabrication and is the first indication that however Hollywood has interpreted the story, they have not quite got it right. 
Uh, Bojack goes to sleep. He wakes completely snow-covered in a scene quite reminiscent of Jack in The Shining, where he's just got to sleep in the outside freezing and um, just covered with like, icicles all down his front. But he wakes to the sound of a fly. I personally quite like it when a fly is up in my business. And another one is up in Bojack's business here. He's fixing the door. Bojack goes outside upon seeing this, shouting across the wedding about how it's a dick move and breaks it again. Eddie fixes it again, leading to a row on the porch where they fight again, but eventually bond because he's done such a good job of fixing it. They kind of begrudgingly agree to fix the house. This feels like a good point to stop because it is just jumping all over the episode. Um, couple of big reveals here as time has indeed moved forward. The death of Cracker Jack in the war and the airing of the Sarah Lynn movie with, well, not just with the airing of the Sarah Lynn movie, but with the Duff information included. A couple of interesting little tells about the short and long-term future of Bojack here, it seemed. Hollywood ignoring the truth to sell a better <laughs> story, Michael. I won't hear of it disgraceful and for anybody else who hasn't quite picked up on it yet i will i'm just going to say this because i'm i'm tired of stopping <laughs> there is a fly in my house right now michael hamflet is aware of this fly and how ironically that this fly could should turn up in the middle of us talking about another fly it knew we were reviewing this episode it knew it knew it knew does this make me bojack am i angry <laughs> with the fly well listen to the rest of this podcast and you will find out so if i do lose my way at certain points <laughs> Just assume that we're also going to be covering the episode of Breaking Bad, The Fly, and I and Brian Cranston. So, yes, in terms of big reveals, Michael, still haven't found The Fly. But uh, in terms of big reveals in the middle of Bojack Horseman's episode, yes, the, 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 it's sort of, I guess it's really sort of highlighted by how dire of a scenario Bojack is in. And this house really kind of it adds to the sort of the real bad mood that's going on in terms of, we see this narrative playing out, which is completely fabricated. He knows it's not the truth. And yet, in a way, maybe that will help him in Hollywood in the short term, perhaps, if it changes the narrative. How he feels about that, though, we don't really get much of a, a clue in about that. And in terms of Crackerjack, obviously, we, we kind of saw how how much of a great relationship Crackerjack and Honey have uh, at the very beginning. And to see it like ripped away from us. Yes. And I will point out as well, some great little... Um, some great little jokes from RBW, of course, uh, who I believe is probably a man allowed to drop in as many Jewish-related yeah. jokes as he possibly can, and certainly uses that license very well in this episode <laughs> to make light of what was otherwise probably a very on-the-money uh, on the money representation back in the day. Um, but in terms of Crackerjack, though, the one thing I found interesting here was that it, it's the lucky blanket, obviously, that he gives to Beatrice, doesn't he? And she like keeps it for him. Would life be different for him, Michael, if he had taken the blanket with him? Well, and as well, the fact that he asked her to look after it and she left it behind. So she, she may be behind. she may be carrying the burden of his well, death. Like double whammy there, isn't that? Because he he doesn't take it with him, and but then on top of that, she leaves it at the house. It kind of suggests this, like you already get the feeling there's going to be some weird little unspoken between Beatrice and Honey because that's a big deal, man. It's a huge it's a huge deal. It's. I think it's really smart, this, and how it covers quite a lot with the characters only saying very little. Um, I love how um, there's a, we've already established with Joseph, there's obviously the culture, you know, we talk about like the, the male-dominated world that they all lived in, but that culture of victim blaming that wouldn't be labelled as such back then by him saying that it's the fault of the Jews for people. I think like, it's a great gag, as you point out, that RBW's dropped in, but it probably speaks to how a Joseph Sugarman would take that if this were indeed real. And um, such a major death possibly the turning point for this whole family and their entire future, like in war, I guess, 
um, occurs without anyone seeing anything. The casualties of war are that people go into those like situations of conflict and sometimes never come back. The family can't know, the family can't see. And just as we, as the viewers, cannot see and cannot know until it's thrust upon us like this. I thought that was like a quite a unique way of capturing some of what that heartbreak must feel like. It's so blunt, isn't it? Like, mm. there's nothing they can do about this. It's, a com it's completely out of their hands. And you see how much... I really think it kind of highlights as well that's that the naivety of going to war and stuff. Back then, it was, there's a lot of people who were just like, they were excited, weren't they, to go to yep. war? They were excited to go off and kill some Nazis, if you like. That was kind mm -hmm. of the, the vibe. And then eventually, you find that actually the realities of it is, is that the, the what happens on the on the battlefield is one thing, but it's the people who are left to deal with the aftermath who... And as you just brilliantly pointed out there, is that this could well be actually the the actual exact pinpoint in the moment. All right, Joseph Sugarman doesn't exactly seem like a great guy, but this, other than that, this was a pretty happy family. And this could well be the big turning point that we leads us to where we are now. There's no way back for all of them. Um, mm. We're back to present day. And uh, Bojack is uh, asking Eddie, the dragonfly, why he doesn't uh, fly away for winter. As of course, we said the seasons have moved on. Uh, Eddie simply says, I don't fly. Um, we get this really lovely device here where we, through the passage of time, through a montage, we get the impression that Bojack and Eddie are bonding. But we never really get the full extent of what they're talking about. It's a it's just a lovely like little bit of... Um, I guess like animation and editorialising of their relationship through a series of a very quick cutaway gags. Eddie says he doesn't fly. That cuts to them fixing another part of the house and Eddie saying, are you? And then Bojack cuts him off, thinking that he's about to say, are you Bojack Horseman? And in this little moment, we never find out what Eddie was even going to ask due to Bojack going on this big rambling monologue about television <laughs> and about stardom and all this sort of stuff. Um, but the gist, of course, is that by Eddie even asking the question, it was as if he doesn't know who Bojack is. It cuts then onto a scene where they're fixing up some more of the house. And it turns out this appears to be days, weeks later. And Eddie says, oh, no, what I was actually going to ask was, are you related to Joseph Sugarman? That was the eventual question he wanted to ask. Bojack noted the, uh, that he is uh, and that he'll be the very last one of his kind. Uh, another montage of the seasons changing gives us the changes to the house this time. So we can obviously tell um, that finally, you know, things are moving forward between Bojack and Eddie. Um, and it's looking better too. Um, they get it finished together and it's actually, it's quite a sweet moment. And then Eddie says, have a nice life, Hambone. It turns out that Bojack said his name was Hambone Fake Namington in order to <laughs> keep that bridge, even after all this time, between the two of them becoming any closer than I guess he wanted them to. Well, but this point, fence, we, do, we did cover this when we told everyone that the podcast we were going to be doing was Podcast Fake Namington. That was, we were very <laughs> clear about that when we started this. <laughs> It's not just Bojack that can put some foreshadowing in. We're allowed to do it no, too. No, certainly not. <laughs> we, uh, we get another flashback at this point, um, which I thought is, again, not the first time in this episode. We've gone between nice in one timeline to quite nasty in the other, and they kind of play with that a lot. They never let you, they never let you just breathe for too long before we're back to the, the severities. Um, and it's the family arriving uh, for the first summer without Crackerjack in the, in the obviously, the summer house. Uh, Honey is visibly, utterly heartbroken. Joseph is unprepared to manage a woman's emotions. Uh, in his own words, he wasn't taught and he will not learn. He says, take care, you two. And that's a in quote, Nicholas. He uh, he just gets in his car yeah. and speeds away. Um, we don't know if it's to work or for good. He just goes. Um, Honey's in tears. Beatrice tries to play some keys on the piano, like clearly to try and cheer her up. Uh, but perhaps that evokes too many memories of Crackerjack because it simply does not work. Um, 
we're into the present day again. And Bo- Bojack has noticed another old picture in the summer house and it's got a weather vane on it. Uh, he rushes around to Eddie to say, oh, look, the house isn't finished. We need to get this weather vane on. And luckily, Eddie knows where it is. Um, he sort of he doesn't invite Bojack into his home, but he says he knows where the weather vane is and then just walks into another room with his front door open. Bojack follows him in and he walks into a room where there are various mementos of what very clearly appears to be the deceased wife of Eddie the Dragonfly. This is confirmed by Eddie watching a video of them two flying up in the sky in total happiness together. He doesn't, he's so lost in it, he doesn't realise that Bojack's come up behind him. Um, and Eddie then like kind of shoes, as, as you would a fly, I guess, shoe Bojack as you would this fly. Uh, Bojack sh- uh, shoe. Oh, out- I, wish, as- I wish this fly didn't fly, Michael. <laughs> And bizarrely, uh, when he gets shooed out of the house, Bojack's quite coldly accepting of not wanting to know anymore. Again, this speaks to the fact that he's been given a fake name and that maybe Eddie didn't really know who Bojack was to begin with. Time cuts back to Bojack, uh, so excuse me, to Honey and Beatrice uh, enjoying the fireworks, celebrating the bombing of Japan in 1945 and the end of the war. Um, they head somewhere to celebrate, and it turns out to be the same barn where Eddie and Bojack have gone to go and get the weather vane. Uh, it's at this point that the timelines collide for the first time, and it's at this point where should probably we should reset a little bit. Um, again, more detail, more information to digest from this little section, the strange relationship that Bojack has and yet has not wanted to create with Eddie the Dragonfly, and the completely broken one in the Sugarman household. A tale of two relationships, definitely here, and I think the the one with Bojack and Eddie is interesting. And I have to be honest, I I was howling by the end of this because you know how he and Bojack have that conversation about are oh, you related to Joseph Sugarman, and you kind of get this. And Bojack goes all in, doesn't he, on the solemn? He's like, you know, I'm the last of the I'm the last mm. of my bloodline, sort of thing. And Eddie's just like, well, that's great. That's great. I'm really glad to hear this. <laughs> basically tells him that he's so happy to hear that that, that bloodline will end with Bojack. Which is just, <laughs> it's such a great line because it's totally not what you're expecting. Even Bojack, I think, says as much in his dialogue. But there's this weird buddy cop kind of thing going on with him, isn't there? The, the love-hate relationship. You can tell they're accidentally helping each other, whether they like it or not. Um, but in terms of the other timeline, I think you kind of, we got the gist very quickly that uh, we were going to get some rough stuff in the older timeline, I think. And then yeah. the heartbreak of seeing them go back to the summer house for the first time without Crackerjack is really so, it's really quite something. Like, even though nothing particularly has changed aside from that, the whole uh, the whole aura of the house is different. I thought it was so telling as well that they have uh, Joseph disappear. Like, he literally just bails, doesn't he? Bails at the first chance. And again, great commentary from the uh, writing team, of course, where just like, I'm a man. Uh, I was not taught how to do this, and I will not learn. Yeah. Uh, and that's that. And there's no alternative option here. Um, and I just think they even add in there to try and soften the blow. The sort of it's almost the cartoon esque way, like pew, like shoots out the door, mm-hmm. and you actually hear the car like like screeching away, <laughs> zipping off. I don't know what that sounded like on on the mic, but that sounded to me like I made it a dog noise <laughs> to some degree. <laughs> but uh, his car wheel spun away, and he shoots off, and that's. And, and you, as you say, at this point, we don't really know where he's going. He's mm. disappeared entirely, leaving the two women by themselves, or sorry, a woman and a daughter and a daughter to just try and pick up the pieces and figure it out. And it's it's really sad, Michael. <laughs> it's really, really sad. That one of the other contrasts I noticed between the two, um, again, like I say, there's the scene to be there. It's the gag before the drag. It's the light and shade that Bojack does so expertly. Um, we see 
Beatrice, especially when Honey needs it, in like so many minuscule ways, just trying to show love to her mother in a time of need. And then we know the son that she has, and that son is Bojack Horseman, and he's trying to deflect that from Eddie at all costs. Yeah. You fix my door. That's a dick move. Like, he's pushing that love back at every single corner, like every single opportunity, whilst Beatrice is just trying to give it out when a mother is in desperate need of it. And we're going to see more of that, as I say, the timelines intersect here for the first time, really beautifully so as well. Um, Eddie and Bojack, in just a nice gag, agree that Bojack's going to be the one to scale the roof while Eddie provides a diversion. Bojack notes, oh yeah, that makes total sense, a thousand pound horse going and climbing a roof. Um, but Eddie indeed provides quite an adequate distraction by going and playing a nearby piano. Um, he starts uh, singing the same song that Honey and Crackerjack were singing at the start of the episode. And because the timelines have intersected, Honey is back by the piano's side. Eddie and Honey harmonise together. Um, and the song that was once a little celebration suddenly becomes about loss. Um, it's all about the the fact that they've just both their lives have been devastated by in Eddie's case the loss of his wife, in Honey's case the loss of Crackerjack. Uh, all the while, I should point out, um, while a, a crowd gather to listen to the song, and it's a mix of people that were at the present day barn and soldiers that have returned from war, the ones that obviously haven't died, the ones that haven't passed away. Some of Crackerjack's uh, soldier colleagues, I guess. Um, in the meantime, uh, Bojack is on the roof, managing to successfully steal the weather vane, uh, while uh, young Beatrice listens intently to this song, which is basically about love and loss. She has nothing to do but stand there and listen to her mother's heart be poured out in front of all of these people. Um, she tries again once to reach out to her mother, but Honey instead just gets sadder and drunker in sync with the farce of Bojack and Eddie trying to escape with the stolen <laughs> weather bin. Again, you are given gag and drag, simpatico, because they're running around. You're even getting the, that kind of like that daft music that you often get with a, a Bojack farce scene. While in the 1945 timeline, while everybody is supposed to be in celebratory mood, Honey's just devastation has brought the party to a complete standstill. Beatrice is getting more and more upset, uh, made worse by her mother just drinking more and more and smashing glasses on the floor uh, and then telling her to drive them home uh, because she's had too much to drink and flooring the pedal when she doesn't drive quick enough to the point where they crash into a gas station as Honey screams, quote, I'd do anything to feel alive, obviously mm. acting in complete opposition to that. Uh, there's a really great moment where, uh, again, we've sort of seen like the absolute sadness, the darkness, the heart of the, the darkness of indeed what exists in Bojack through Beatrice. As that car crashes, Eddie and Bojack are in great spirits. They're steering away, they're steering away with the stolen weather vane and they speed past the garage where the hole in the wall that Beatrice uh, and Honey made still exists to this day. Mm. Um, that, has, that has never been fixed. Um we get uh, Eddie and Bojack finally attaching the weather vane uh, to finally finish the house. It kind of bonds them once again. Um, and Bojack wants to pay him back something. Um, so falls off the ladder of the roof they're on onto the gazebo, um, <laughs> smashing his back to pieces. <laughs> Eddie, in a panic, um, flies suddenly to go down and see what the hell the noise was, what on earth Bojack's done to himself. Bojack screams out in agony that he was trying to coax Eddie into flying to save him. <laughs> uh, I guess the plan has half worked. Uh, although Bojack has obviously really hurt himself, um, but Eddie has at least flown again. Um, Eddie does fly. Flies into a fit of rage, uh, scooping Bojack up as fast as he can and dragging him into the sky. Thousands of feet into the air, thousands more 
he's in some sort of like reckless panic at this point. He notices that his wife Lorraine didn't want to high, didn't want to fly high that night, but he wanted to just see how high they could get. Um, they got so high, she got sucked into a plane's engine. He illustrates this by nearly doing the exact same to Bojack, but at the very last moment, they drop and drop and drop and drop until they fall into the water, which we assume to be the lake by the house. Um, Eddie appears content to just sink and drown, but Bojack grabs him. We see him follow the bubbles and he saves his life. He pulls him to the side of the river uh, and Bojack, who clearly cannot take another death. This seems less about Eddie than it is about just somebody who he's grown close to dying in his arms. Uh, he gives him the kiss of life. Eddie comes to and simply sobs, I don't want to live, as Bojack slinks off. My word. I said there was gags and drags. It's all drags from here on out, brother. It's all drags, baby. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, so much to unpack here. Um, I don't want to miss. I've had, I've had to write stuff down here while you were talking just to remind myself. But I'm going to go as far back as just to where we, where you first started off. Yeah, um, with the animation when we go to the barn. It's the the Crab Brothers barn. Yeah. Like the first time we see the two timelines kind of visually intertwined, where we're seeing like a lovely. Um, amalgamation of the two put together and honestly just watch this if you've obviously seen, seen the episode or if you haven't watched it spend some time with this scene because for starters the singing and the duet and the harmonies is just really really nice like really really well done the way they've put the two timelines together that are happening alongside each other but are clearly many many years apart is absolutely stunning immediately reminded me michael of a um as many people might know, I am a big Frank Ocean fan, huge Frank Ocean fan, and he once came up with a little pearl of wisdom, Michael, which has stuck with me forever. When you're happy, you enjoy the music, but when you're sad, you understand the lyrics, and I feel like that highlights perfectly here the difference in Honey in terms of, think about that song that Hare and Crackerjack were playing back at the beginning. That was It was such a happy, jovial yeah, thing, that's... and then it's completely been flipped on its head, and we get the sorrow. But the way they use... Eddie, Eddie's lost his wife, Honey's lost her, her boy and like mm -hmm. the sadness, the misery loves company stuff coming together and it's just, it's, it's really, really beautifully done this. It's absolutely stunning. That whole bit is just amazing to watch. But then, you know, coming away from that, obviously even the, the bit where they drive off in the cars. I mean, obviously that's, you know, the madness of them driving off in a car <laughs> and um, Beatrice being forced to drive the car. I just thought the gas station bit though was incredibly well done in terms of Honey has crossed the line beyond the line. Like, this is a, you know, she's had a real moment here. Uh, God bless her. You know, it's not her fault, but she's completely past the line. Um, some of the worst parenting you're probably going to see. And, well, I'll say that to you, but of course, this is Bojack Horseman, so probably just the bottom <laughs> of the barrel. But I just think the amazing part here is that we get the, the two visuals of the gas station. Obviously, we've got the crash in the first one, and then the modern day timeline. That... The fact that the damage, the damage, Michael, was irreparable and it's still there to this day. I just mm. thought that was, you know, if I had a hat on, it would be taken off because <laughs> RBW and co always know what they're doing with this and the visual storytelling here didn't disappoint at all. I'll tell you what, I got a lot out of this and I think this was probably why this was the point at which they brought the timelines together. Um, Joseph pointedly tells us at the start of the episode that time's arrow marches forward and there is a certain doom that he applies to that we don't know it yet but then obviously with crackerjack's death we realize what he was getting at and yet with the barn and with the garage it almost implies that in this tiny little corner of michigan it doesn't mm. because the 
the barn hasn't changed. It's only gained a weather vane. Other than that, there are no changes. They are able to visually bring those two things together in a way that they wouldn't be able to do otherwise. If you were in Hollywood in 1945, you couldn't superimpose that against Bojack's house. And yet, though Bojack has come to escape and though times are removed forward, it appears as if, if he wanted to, probably could stay still here. He could get everything he need from being in this tiny little part of town. Well, the fact that the one house that Bojack even came back to was exactly yeah. as it was and remained so even in this modern day era when he was there for nearly like eight months I think Eddie says mm-hmm. in the end or six months it would have been I guess something along those lines at this point it, it's like that things change but they stay the same I guess is the, yeah. is the whole but then you just seem to be carrying a little bit more baggage it seems and obviously the whole Bojack Eddie thing the the Eddie and the, Eddie taking Bojack out of the heights by the way a stunning stunning shot when they're going up moonlit and backlit yes, the two of them as yeah. they fly to the sky absolutely beautiful stuff this honestly the for 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 a show michael about a cartoon horse this is like you'll never be disappointed this episode alone has given you more visuals than most tv shows will give you full stop there is an episode 11 energy to this one isn't there we're only episode two um we go back to the past and uh joseph is bollocking honey for the drinking and for the car crash and for the recklessness. Um, Beatrice is crying and trying to stop them. Um, Joseph does say, quote, she's all we've got in reference to Beatrice at this point. The only thing kind of keeping this family from just going off the rails completely. Um, Ultimately, Honey can't cope. um, But Joseph can't cope with that. Uh, Honey says, quote, I can't be with people, but I can't be alone. Please fix me. As she kind of like falls to her knees and wraps her arms around him. We are back then sort of like fading this time into present day. Uh, And a very, very rattled Bojack rings Diane. Uh, He apologises. He bonds with her immediately. Uh, They mock some LA Idiots web series that Diane overheard and just passes in this. They haven't spoke in months and they're straight back to it straight away. It's a really, really sweet conversation. They both had missed missing each other. And Diane reminds Bojack, who thinks he can't come back to LA, that LA is in fact for anyone um, and that he should come home. Um, we again fade back to the past. Uh, and Joseph is telling Beatrice, who is outside, sucking a lemon with sugar on because she still isn't allowed iced cream. Um, that Honey had let, quote, let her womanly motions get the better of her. Um, but says, quote, she's a brand new woman now. And uh, holy goddamn shit, Nicholas, they've given her a lobotomy. Oh, man. Honey has been lobotomized. Um, Beatrice weeps into her arms, asking what they've done to her. And she says in this far away, zombified voice, quote, love does funny things to a person, terrible things. Beatrice, promise me you'll never love anyone as much as I loved Crackerjack. Beatrice kind of resigns to her fate, says, I promise I won't. And then Honey says, why? I have half a mind. And just trails off. Yeah. Uh, The soundtrack, weirdly at this point, plays noises of what sounds like an HGV, a heavy goods vehicle, backing up or something. And it's revealed as we fade again back into present day to be a massive crane with a wrecking ball on it. Bojack mm-hmm. is about to have the house demolished. Eddie comes out of his house aghast as you would be, trying to wonder why all of this is going on when they finally built a bond. Bojack notes that uh, there's no friendship here. Uh, when Eddie tried to kill him, uh, it was a serious wrap-up on their friendship. 
Eddie doesn't know what that means. He just lives in this tiny corner of Michigan. And that only seems to further drive Bojack back into LA's arms. It's as if you don't get my reference. What? Mm. Uh, Eddie asks, quote, so what was all this for? Bojack says, quote, I don't know, but you can't change the past. Time's our own movies forward, right? Uh, as a great woman once says, suck a dick, dumb shit. As he gets in his car and speeds away, Eddie shouts, where are you going? And Bojack simply replies, home. The wrecking ball swings and credits the air over the sound, the long, tiring sound of this house being destroyed in great detail that we can't see but can only hear. Uh, what an episode. What an episode. What an episode two. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In episode two, man, brilliant, like brilliant stuff, this top tier. If anyone was thinking this show was going to slow down, they were wrong. They couldn't have been more wrong. And this was a brilliant, brilliant reminder. Um, I loved the ending of this, uh, this, like, the whole concept being about this, about time. Let's just, you know, the top and bottom of it. And like, as you mentioned there quite correctly, the little corner of Michigan is, as we've seen, a lot of it seems to be stuck in the past. A lot of people who are just clinging on to a certain time, a certain place, a certain feeling or whatever. Eddie being a prime example of it. And mm. I guess Bojack has come back to find some sort of heritage. And I just love I love the balls out nature of Bojack just just come realizing he doesn't want to live in the past, but having to go to the extreme lengths. Not even that just like he could have sold the house, he could have done anything he wanted, but he just decides to not self-destructive, but he certainly wants to be destructive. And it's just brilliant. Bojack isn't a creator, Bojack is a destroyer. He always has been. Everything he's done in this show has been him destroying things. Mm -hmm. Him and Eddie. Mend an entire house, which could mend his entire life, his entire outlook on things, his entire friendship, relationships, everything. Mm -hmm. And after seeing that actually 
Eddie's just as damaged as everybody else is, and which is kind of really only a front, let's be honest. This whole yeah. house thing was kind of just a front. Eddie was just finding a way to not think about what was really bothering him. He doesn't want to be like that, Bojack. So he smashes it down. And I love the way they do this over the top of the credits where you can't see. That audio is so grueling and horrible. I mm. almost listened to it the first time. And just I just wanted to hear one little like moan or cry of like dissatisfaction from Eddie as he watched the house. You don't get it, but I just thought it would have been <laughs> so great. In my head, he's just holding his head in his hands. Amazing stuff, this. But yeah, top to bottom, this episode is just quite something, isn't it? Yeah, it um it gives so much. I think we've um encountered Beatrice Horseman a few times now, um and she's awful, just unrelentingly awful, unrelentingly cruel. We witnessed um I think the really the the fringes of uh, an an upbringing that was just littered with child abuse for yeah. you know for Bojack, um and what I loved about this is that she told Bojack that he was born with a hole and there's a leak, mm. um and we always think well yeah but. Is are you not the one with the real emotional hole? No, it turns out it's her mother with a literal emotional hole where they opened her head up and scooped it out. Um, like a sensational, I mean, it's just devastating. It is devastating. But this is a sensational payoff because for the whole episode, it plays with the measures that a man, Joseph in this case, mm -hmm. will go to to avoid the problem. And then it gives you the most grisly of solutions. Again, an of-the-time solution. Literally lift the grief out of her brain. Oh, man, the lobotomy stuff was... It was. I think it was really important. Like, it was... There's many ways they could have gone with this episode, and I feel like mm. that was... It was such a hugely, hugely impactful thing, that... Because you're right, the whole, the whole born with a hole... There's, like, multiple layers to this. This is why it's so good, because, obviously, the lobotomy comes... Because we get Honey, who is completely inconsolable, because another hole has been put in her goddamn brother by a Nazi in the mm, middle of yep. the war. A war which was only really happening, Michael, because why? Because men, because men yep. are shit. Name me a war <laughs> right now. Name me a war right now that was ever started by women. Mm -hmm. You can't do it. It just doesn't exist. And this is like, they've taken, they've been strong at this for the whole show, let's be fair. They've not like, this isn't something new. But yep. what a huge, huge way to do this! Like on a on an astronomical scale, that they've really sort of almost like they've gone to the root cause and went, yeah. Yeah, here we go. This is how you can show we've got that root cause in terms of life in general. But really, how much more now we understand about Bojack, and really more importantly, Beatrice is the is the, the big kicker here. She is a monster, and that that line is so heartbreaking. Where uh, Honey's talking to her and just says. Promise me you'll never love anybody as much as I loved Cracker Jack. And you just know then and there, that's it. We've had that. We've had a hole in Honey's goddamn head. We've had Beatrice's brother literally killed in the middle of the war. It, it's just goddamn layers, Michael. The goddamn layers. <laughs> yeah. imagine, imagine the idea that uh, Beatrice was given that, the information that would ultimately change Bojack's life before he was even born while being told, in a manner of speaking, that she wasn't loved as much as her brother by her mother, who now doesn't really have the brain to do much and yet still has the capacity to remember that. Um, it's like it's, I hate, as a parent, I've said this on this podcast before, I hate how effective, considering that we're dealing with animated horses, how effectively this portrays different kinds of child abuse or parental neglect. It is 
too hard to watch. I have to sort of revisit these episodes in chunks. It's just, it's remarkable. Uh, there's a horror movie quality sometimes to how child abuse is depicted in that what you can't see is worse because it's in your imagination. Um, the horrors of the unseen, they don't provide that. They, in fact, put it in your face and make you cope with it. And it's not artless. It's not cruel for cruelty's sake. It's just the awful realities, in this case, of the time and of the people. And in the case of Beatrice and Bojack, of the life that all of them had been stuck with rather than the one that they'd chosen. Absolutely. And I think they really do a, a tremendous job of, as much as they can, trying to sort of, for an audience, a lot of audience who might not know certain parts of history in general, like mm, yeah. the way they try to jam-pack this episode full of stuff. Like, yeah, lobotomies, man, they happened. There were things that happened, like, and you need to see this. And this is, these are the things that had an ultimately massive impact on the rest of the world. The war, something that happened. Like, there was a huge trickle-down of all the effects that came from these things. They just do an absolutely stunning job. And it, to be honest, it's amazing anybody has turned out all right at this point, isn't it? it like, it not, is, just with this, yeah. not just with this show, but just with, in life in general, because there's so I, much. I that as well. How many people must they speak to? Yeah. In their own, like, relatively recent lineage. We're talking the last hundred years. Yeah, like, and a different version of this for everyone. Like, it's not, mm -hmm. you know, there's worse versions to this. Yeah. I don't want to even try and contemplate what they are, but there are worse versions of it. Mm -hmm. And this is a reminder. And I think that it's very easy to forget these things. And I kind of, you know, I, that would be my hope for the show. And that's why we love this show. But my hope for the show would be that someone who would watch this now, I don't know, say an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old or whatever, an 18-year-old, definitely an 18-year-old, not a 16-year-old. You're, <laughs> you're not ready for this. Oh, but this is, it just, it's just having the important conversations, isn't it? And I really think that's, that's why I love this show so much because whether we enjoy the comedy of it, whether we enjoy the small details, everything, it's all about that. The, the, the lasting impact of these episodes will last the test of time, in my opinion. You're probably not going to get too many... I mean, they beat you over the head with Second World War stuff in history at school, as you say, 16 or 18. You're probably not going to get too many chapters in history textbooks about familial grief, uh, about war, widows and mothers that have lost sons, or certainly not enough, and not in the way that this delves into it. Other shows have done it. Other shows do a really good job with it. This is not just putting Bojack on a pedestal, as we always do, but it, this show doesn't even need to, and it does. No. That's what's striking about this. This whole subplot comes out of nowhere. To flesh out a character that we've already received as probably the biggest villain in this universe thus far, and they've given us the villain's backstory that is watertight as to why she became the person she did. It's yeah, it's remarkable stuff. Like a, a real underrated one because of its position in the series and its position yeah. in the show overall, I think. Um you know, loads of important themes that we've that kind of referenced stuff before, and we're a spoiler-free podcast, we'll reference stuff in the future, but a really underrated episode in that regard, I think, in what this lays down and the stuff it kind of, like, ties up. Absolutely. I mean, I would love to see in an end rankings of, like, all of the episodes in general. I know we do have that one fan, of course, who... And apologies, yes. I can't think of your name I think, it's, I think it's Chris Mora. I apologise for got the pronunciation wrong. I think so. Indeed. Well, that I'd love to see where it ends up on the final list of the, of the show overall, because this episode for me is a... I know we say it all the time. It's a powerhouse, Michael. <laughs> uh, powerhouse of an episode, and it is right up there with the best of them. In terms of, if you want to talk history, this is the episode. Like, this is the one that will really start picking at the scab that is... Beatrice Horseman and all of the previous that led 
to why Bojack is such a piece of shit, Michael. <laughs> anyway, we have both now suffered quite a lot of <laughs> heartache and, and sort of sad times. Should we maybe try and find some relatively good things? I'd quite like that, I think. I, I can't promise, as always. You know, I won't give you the guarantee and the satisfaction of thinking <laughs> I'm just going to provide you with lots of happiness, yeah? Because this is Bojack Horseman at the end of the day. But this is horsing around the part of the show where we go back to the very beginning of the episode and go through all of the small details within the episode, the hidden meanings behind things, the things you might have missed, all that sort of malarkey. And basically, I justify why I'm on the other end of this podcast, <laughs> uh, which is always nice, <laughs> Michael. Nice to feel like you're carrying your weight sometimes. Anyway, let's go back to the very beginning and we go to dun, 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 the desert, Michael, of course, mm. where this all began. Seems like a million miles away from the old Sugar Man place, doesn't it? Mm. But we we get a few interesting little tidbits here. Bojack's phone ringing at the beginning of the episode. I think I've mentioned it when you were talking, but I just loved the way that he was one second away from either joining the horses or one second away from answering Diane. Two very different options there, mm. neither of which he ends up taking. <laughs> um, and brilliantly summed up, I think, by the obviously the phones are designed to look like iPhones, obviously. But the mm. I like instead of like pick up call and no call, it's just nope and yep on his phone. <laughs> I think that's really wonderful the way they do that because it's so flippant. But he's in such a bad state; it was such mm. a weird, weirdly contrasting sort of thing. As you mentioned, of course, a horse with no name is the track that plays. Yeah, the brilliant cover by Michelle Branch, but of course also includes Patrick Kearney who helped uh, construct the song. Of course, of um, of the Black Keys fame, and of course, who does the yeah. title track, uh, the theme song, rather, for Bojack Horseman. Um, another note here I've just written down, Bojack Horseman driving montages are the best. And you know what, yeah. past Adam, you're not wrong. They are the best. <laughs> gorgeous, I, I absolutely right. gorgeous. I'll make some wonderful notes here. I do have a call-out, though, a call-out for our, our lovely listeners. Anybody who can tell me what this is, well... I'll think you're good. That's the, that's, the best I, that's the best I can offer you. And I'll give you a shout out and I'll retweet you or something. But we saw the skeleton remains mm. on this um, montage of like what appears to be either a bull person, a cow person, or maybe another horse person. Skeleton remains, two little horns, um, or maybe like horns position. And there's some clothes, like tatters of clothes that are left just at the yeah. bottom of the skeleton. We get like the tiny little bit of thread from a green t shirt. We get blue pants or trousers or jeans um, material. We get a pair of blue sunglasses that are in the hand still and a watch on the wrist. We both tried for quite some time to try and find something, anything to put here uh, is maybe what it might be a reference to. Of course, it could just be nothing, but it feels like this is Bojack Horseman and it could be a something. So if we have any good answers for that, please do send them over to us at Podcast Horseman. We'd love to hear if someone is brighter than us, which to be fair, it's probably not difficult. The bar is like not it. exactly <laughs> high. <laughs> um, we go to the gas station where Bojack is trying to top up his car but realises he's got an electric car, which doesn't quite work. There's a brilliant poster on the wall, though. Um, for anybody who's ever seen Camel Cigarettes, of course, a famous brand of cigarettes, well, there's a little sort of version of this in Bojack where we get Humps Slims is the name of the cigarettes. <laughs> Um, but the four ladies, Michael, as the poster will tell you, for ladies, the taste of pure elegance. And it has a picture of a camel woman who's looking rather regal on their smoking <laughs> cigarette. Not too dissimilar, one might add, or one might suggest, to what Beatrice Horseman ends up looking like in the mm. future. Or Beatrice Sugarman Horseman, however she yeah. is at this point, I guess. Um, we go to the diner next, uh, where Bojack stops in. And some brilliant bits in here. 
the um, if you look in the in the little uh, the display cabinet, you'll see that there's two kinds of pies. One of them is a cherry pie, which looks rather nice, and the other one is just a cow pie, Michael, which is just cow pat in like a tray. <laughs> like it's basically either a mud pie or a poop pie, is what I'm trying to say. To you. And it's just fantastic. I'd love to see who decided to buy that one. And as you mentioned, uh, the Sugarman's sugar wrapper that Bojack has in his hand. Uh, there's a few little bits on there. In terms of, of course, I mean, how true is this, by the way? We've seen this a million times. The the copy on the wrapper says, family owned for over 100 years. And then just below it, it says, currently owned by Fukusaka family of international <laughs> conglomerates. <laughs> and another note, which I just thought was worth mentioning if you see the actual horse who's on the um, on the packet of sugar, bears a striking resemblance, Michael, to the seahorses from season three in the episode Fish Out of Water, uh, in particular the baby seahorses. Mm. The look of the horse on the pack is very similar to the baby seahorses. I guess that's just more me speculating of the look of things, but I thought it was worth knowing because it does seem like this. Certainly in mind, I think, when they've done that. Yeah. Uh, pretty much so. The design looks very and That's similar. why Bojack sort of felt a certain bond with the Seahorse baby that he tried to reunite, yeah. There you go. Um, so we go also then to Harper's Landing as Bojack is driving into there, having gone on a bit of a trek at this point. we got a lovely sign for Michigan that says, Welcome to Harper's Landing, Michigan, where families used to vacation before the popularisation of air travel to more exciting places. <laughs> <laughs> and ain't that the truth, brother? We then do the opening credits, and I should just like to point out as well, we did mention last time that the credits had changed, and now that at a certain point, uh, Katrina, Peanut Butter's ex-wife, is in the uh, opening credits. Someone on Twitter, though, and it was Sarah H., uh, who's at CrazyAsian303, uh, has mentioned that the something I wanted to just highlight, because thank you for mm. this, we didn't actually didn't put a spotlight on it but it is worth mentioning that she has replaced Sarah Lynn of course the position Sarah Lynn was in the previous credits yes. which feels like a big deal and we would be doing her a disservice if we didn't mention it so Sarah Lynn has now been mentioned by Sarah H and all is well in the world <laughs> of the opening credits for Podcast Horseman anyway let's go to for Podcast Horseman for Bojack Horseman look at me getting an inflated ego <laughs> uh, we go to 1944 the old Sugarman place in 1944 as, as you mentioned, a brilliant record called The Beautiful Girls of 1994, uh, 1944 even. And it says by Jimmy Dorsal, who is, of course, a dolphin, Michael, who has that classic old look with the quiffed hair and the suit, <laughs> the big microphone, you know the one. Um, of course, Dorsal Finn being the nod there. Mm. We got a newspaper that Joseph Horseman is reading, and on the front it says that the headline is, Gal shows gams, crowd goes wild, and there's a picture of a woman's legs walking down the street <laughs> because... Of course, this is 1944. That's basically porn at this point, I think, in 1944. <laughs> I also just love the way that this is basically every headline uh, ever now in the modern era of just like some sensationalism <laughs> is a thing. That's uh, It's quite yeah, a nice but... uh, callback to uh, Girl Crush last week. Indeed. With the, art with the article on the penises instead oh, of Diane's on penises. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't agree with you more. And then I love there's a bit, yeah, of course, where... Um, it's described that he looks like a young, <laughs> that he looks like a young Clark Gable, Michael, <laughs> which is, of course, <laughs> a little wink and nod to Clark Gable, who would have been huge at this point. Um, and I just thought that was such a great, no, I think it's Crackerjack, who, who Honey is mentioning here. Mm. Brilliant stuff there. And then uh, we move to the Hammerhead Hardware Store, which is next up. There's a paint sale going outside of the Hammerhead Hardware Store. And there's a bunch, unfortunately, there's a bunch of paints that were on display that have been knocked over by presumably Bojack, who's 
parked his car in a disabled parking space diagonally. And does this horse give a shit about I mean, anything? that sounds about right, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it sounds about on the money, doesn't it? We go inside the hardware the hardware store, though. A couple of great signs inside here. We get there. 20% sod off. <laughs> we get <laughs> that one that says, ask about our nuts. While also another one says, need a screw? Question mark. <laughs> That's so simple, but so effective. Not quite as simple and effective, though, as Phil the Stock Boy. <laughs> Who's just this stupid donkey-looking person who <laughs> the uh, Tamara and Tamara compare with Bojack? A brilliant gag. This they zoom out. How many times have we talked about this? The zoom out pop that they get here. They zoom out to reveal <laughs> Phil the stock boy, who's an idiot, Michael. And uh, not much, not as much of an idiot though as Bojack Horseman. Who we get two little nods, two little gags here rather, where he's about to say me in reference to him being Bojack and tries to correct himself on the fly, <laughs> thinking he's totally nailed it as the animation suggests. Like he's played a cool when he's absolutely not. Where he goes to say me and says Mister Horseman is <laughs> <laughs> the first one, and the second one where he says. As on on being shown that Paul Giamatti is going to be him in the in the adaptation of Sarah Lynn's life, he says meaty rolls like that one. Why <laughs> getting meaty rolls like that one? Who knows, indeed, Michael. But sticking with the Hammerhead Hardware Store timelines are a bit mixed up here. But uh, you know, we don't want to be jumping around too far. We do get later on that same paint sale that we mentioned has now been cancelled because all the paint has been smashed over, and as Phil the stock boy is outside mopping up the paint, which is now all mixed together into making different colours on the floor, <laughs> which is totally, totally lush. Um, but then again, we get more stuff inside the store where Bojack's trying to buy some polyfiller, Michael. He's looking for a few bits and bobs. He's trying to buy himself some cork as well, and there's a good few cork gags. Cork of the walk, which is basically <laughs> a tube with a chicken face on. <laughs> but then even more brilliantly, there's another tube called Hawk Cork, and there's just no image of a hawk on for some reason. They've just gone the opposite direction, uh, which I just thought was brilliant. Uh, cork of the walk is really pop me. Yeah, cork makes, of the walk. Makes think of somebody with a really broad Newcastle accent trying to say cork, cork of the walk. walk. You think you're cork of the walk? If you're a cork of the walk, you're like... <laughs> brilliant. And then, again, sticking with local dialects and local local things, I guess. Uh, the Tamir, what's Tamara or Tamara? One of the two, mm. Michael. She comes up with a magazine to, that looks like Rolling Stone magazine for all intents and purposes, but it's not. It's actually Petoski magazine. It's mm. it's a little gag that they've done here, which is relevant here, Michael, because the a Petoski stone, as we found out, is a rock and a fossil, often pebble shaped, that is composed of fossilized coral, but bears more significance, doesn't it? Because as you shone a light on it is actually the official stone of the state of michigan too it's which lovely, is also and there's this the, uh, the city which is also named after the petoskis so there you go there's a whole a whole layer of this imagine putting that much detail in the center as small as that really Wonderful. nice really nice. of course you do it's bojack horseman it's better than the stone <laughs> that you like we go to the sugarman place once again this time in the modern day bojack is working again on trying to fix it up a little bit and he's working with a brand of Spackle, Michael, which is, I discovered, is polyfiller. Uh, it's called Grackle Brand Spackle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was funny, but it did tickle me at the time. And then, brilliantly, I thought the um, the immediate sort of giveaway that uh, Eddie was going to be a great character for this episode, <laughs> he shouts across to Bojack, Hey, <laughs> we got a saying in Michigan. Put your damn door back on or you're going to freeze to death, you stupid horse. <laughs> <laughs> 
which is almost up there with um, some of Nana Peanut Butter's um, old clothes. I think we can both agree, yeah. I thought also brilliantly that was a bit where Bojack is watching his phone as he's watching Paul Giamatti be him in the Sarah Lynn TV show. There's a great poster in the background in the hospital wall where it just says, give a hug, not a lick. And it's a picture of a man who bears a striking resemblance to Robert Downey Jr. Actually, I don't think that's the lip he says. <laughs> Who's just hugging a frog person instead of you, <laughs> you lick the frog and you turn to a prince or whatever. I don't, however it works these days. If, uh, uh, if either of those things were advisable in 2020, eh? I'd take a lick. I'd take a lick right now on the head. Go on, why not? The, um, that was not supposed to sound as seedy as it did, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bojack as well, a brilliant line here, which I did reference earlier on. When he's when he's trying to talk about being a Kit Kat bar, and he says, Well, call me a Kit Kat bar because I'm already broken, which I think Bojack has missed entirely <laughs> the whole point of a Kit Kat bar. Um, but then again, we get more comedy to do with animals and things, Michael, because Eddie, as Bojack and him are working on the house, he basically mentions that the only thing that's kind of been um, present in this house are the termites. And as he says, he turns to his left to find two <laughs> actual termite people who are just nibbling on the house, <laughs> to which he shouts, get out of here, Bobby and Susan. I saw you knowing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which reminds me of another certain Geordie man who's shouting at the top of his lungs, it was he, I seen you. <laughs> You were doing it, <laughs> which, is, which is a very specific joke for only a certain amount of people who will get that, but never mind. Um, we go back to uh, the Sugarman place on the outside, in the exterior. And as you mentioned, there's a few montages here that suggest the passage of time. These seasons are going by. We see some brilliant stuff here. At the very beginning of one of these montages, you'll see a squirrel, Michael, a squirrel person who is digging a hole in the floor, in the, in the, in the grass. We don't know why, but he looks like he's going to put something in there. Later on, as time flashes by, two montages later, I should point out, the same squirrel will be found coming out in the freezing cold with his hat on. He's digged a hole a few times and hasn't got the right spot, but finally finds the right spot, Michael, and pulls out a bag full of nuts that he's buried oh, for himself excellent. because, of course, he has. He's a squirrel. You've got to be prepared for this. Um, we go back to Eddie's house. Now, I say go back to, we go over to Eddie's house, the little sort of glance in there that we get. And on the TV that he has, Michael, if you if you are eagle-eyed enough to freeze the frame, you'll see that the brand of TV slash VCR player that he has is a Toshi Buzz, Michael, instead <laughs> of a Toshiba. Because I don't know if you noticed, Michael, but he's a fly. And that's uh, <laughs> something that will come important later on, but I'll, I'll, I'll put a pin in that until later on. Uh, we go over to the Crab, but the Crab Brothers Barn, though, uh, yeah. where they go to try and grab the weather vane. The weather vane in itself, Michael, is a wonderful thing. Uh, but I feel like some of us might have something to mention about that in just a little bit. <laughs> uh, the Crab Brothers, though, chasing Bojack is absolutely hilarious. Because, of course, Michael, they're crabs. So they're chasing after him sideways. <laughs> they can't get any real sort of momentum going because they're too busy running sideways as they're chasing Bojack. And he and the, the weather vane are, of course, fleeing the scene. Here's one for you, though. One I think you might enjoy quite a lot. And you can confirm or deny this to me. There's a brilliant moment here, Michael, where there's a young uh, man who is cleaning his car from the from the past timeline, the 1945 or 44 timeline that Honey is in, who's in the background. You only see him for a little bit, but as she's running off to go and get in her car, there's a young man who's talking to a woman who's just been cleaning the car. That young man, Michael, is a turtle man, and I have a sneaky suspicion Ooh. that young man is a young Lenny Turtletaub 
possibly. Now, I don't want to stereotype because I realise not all tales are the same, Michael. You know? <laughs> yeah, we are an inclusive podcast. We don't, so, don't, we don't sort of tar everyone with the same brush, if it will, especially yeah. tales. But it seems like if you look at it, the way that this turtle is drawn is too similar to Lenny Turtletop to maybe not him. And as we know, this is a man who's been around for hundreds of years, Michael, yeah. because he's a turtle. So this would kind of fit. And I'd love to know what everybody has to think about that. So at Podcast Horseman for that as well. But I'm pretty convinced that's a young Lenny Turtletop who was paying attention. Love that. Um, we go to the small gas station uh, where Beatrice and crashes the car into, unfortunately. We get a little glance at the things that are on there. So they sort of show the differences between the timelines, of course. Mm. Uh, you will notice the gas, Michael, back then was four cents for gas. Uh, and they were selling cold drinks and hot talk, if you were really <laughs> up after, along with tyres. And the brand on the top says high-quality gasoline with a flying horse logo, Michael, which I thought was very, very yes. notable, wasn't it? A horse with wings, quite literally with wings. This is before Red Bull, of course. Uh, and then we go to the present day. And all the signs have changed a little bit. Gas is now, of course, $4.79. Unleaded, <laughs> $4.39 for gas. And the dent, of course, as we mentioned, is still in the gas station, has not been mended. And just to remind you that we're all in this horrible society full of money and conglomerates, Michael, an ATM machine is now there with the sign for an ATM. And, of course, Big Globe, if you remember, Big Globe <laughs> being the drink you get. The cold drink, I guess, one of them like slush drinks, I assume, yeah. uh, is, is that's a huge sticker that's been put on there. Even though it still looks old, it looks weird to see a bright <laughs> pink big globe sticker on the side of the on the side of the gas station. We go across back to the uh, Sugarman place. Just a little quick quote here, which I really enjoyed, which kind of sums it up for Bojack and kind of maybe sums up this whole show. Michael, he's on the phone to Diane as you mentioned, and they're kind of just getting back into the, the swing of things. But before mm-hmm. they do, is the opening bit of dialogue between them. Where Bojack says he's in Michigan, it's beautiful here, and everything sucks, which I just... Mm. And there you are, Bojack Horseman, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> is, it's, it's beautiful here, but everything does suck. And uh, certainly the emotion side of things, the show itself, though, of course, is very, very good. Um, but back to the past again with Sugarman Place. We've got a few little back, the past and present to finish us off here. Um, just another little nod to the things you already mentioned here, but Beatrice's promise uh, up to... Her mother just feels so important, that quote really mm-hmm. does. Promise me you'll never love anyone as much as I love Crackerjack. And, of course, why I have half a mind being a tie back to the beginning of the episode where she's joking about saying, why I have half a mind too. And then, obviously, she's still in quite a good fettle. But I just thought it was really, like, what a contrast. Like, you yeah. know, bookends of the episode. Hugely powerful. Hugely really, powerful. Really good stuff. And finally, back to the Sugarman place, but in the present this time, and we've got all the stuff going on when Bojack hires a crane. The crane company are called Boa, Boa Bros Demolition, Michael. Um, <laughs> the is a boar that has impaled a plank of wood with its two horns, which I thought was really telling. So destructive, Michael, so destructive. The crane that has the um, the wrecking ball on has got a little picture of a crane on it, like a crane person. <laughs> it's really jacked crane. It's like super muscly crane person. Um, we do also get the context for anybody who's paying attention that eight months has passed in this time from the beginning mm. to the end pretty much and finally if you were really paying attention something I've never noticed until this watch through because they do it so well as we've already seen previously them blending the two timelines together there is a little Beatrice Horseman who is just wandering around in the back of this scene as Bojack gets in his car to drive off she comes out the front door 
as Bojack is talking to Eddie, they're having this conversation. And it's so... I have literally never noticed it until now. She, like, walks out of the house. So, like, sort of phases through the door. And she's got yeah. one of those little stick and wheel things, you know? Yeah. Um, she's using one of them. And she's got a hold of a little teddy bear. Mm-hmm. She doesn't make eye contact with anybody. She's right in the background of the scene, but she just tootles around, and I've never noticed her before. And she's just floating around in the background, a weird ghost of the wow. house, um, which I just thought just, was just seconds before it's demolished behind her. Just, she's yeah. just walks out of the house before it gets demolished um, wow. forever, as you mentioned. Yeah, but those are all of our pieces for horsing around. Lots of little details there, but still time, I believe, for one last thing, and then I swear to God, we'll shut up about this podcast forever. First or second for you today, Mr. Hamlet? First, please, because I promise it's a quick one. Um, okay. They labour on time's arrow, always marching forward. Love that because it's so profound and yet it doesn't actually make a great deal of sense. Honey mocks Joseph for it and arrow doesn't march. Um, but the weather vane becomes the central point of the two timelines mixing together, suggesting that, in fact, time has stood still as the literal arrow of the vane. Uh, marches forward. What I really liked as well, that I didn't really think about until the review of the episode, was that although yes, there is some truth to the idea that time never stops and the arrow marches forward, by Bojack taking it from the barn and trying to restore it from the house, he is trying to reverse that. Time's arrow, the vein, is very briefly going backwards, back to where it used to be before it was taken by the Crab Brothers. And I just thought only Bojack would be the one to try and reverse the uh, path of time's arrow, even though he so glibly tosses it off as a figure of speech, as he said, as he says goodbye to Eddie forever. Absolutely, totally love that stuff. And I think uh, only Bojack would have the audacity to try and, uh, a man with delusions of grandeur would have the audacity <laughs> to try and change time itself, I think, which is quite fitting, yeah. I actually have a good one last thing. It's quite notable, but, Michael, I will tell you this, and this has never happened before on Podjack, Podjack? On podcast, Horseman, you see it's this fly man in the room. He's totally ruined everything. <laughs> he really has. Um, but I have actually, I've missed a tiny little bit from one of my um, horse arounds, which I'm just going to give you now for free as a little additional before I give you the one last thing. I did mention that magazine that had Paul Giamatti in it. Um, and I didn't actually end up going to the screenshot that I have, which has a lovely paragraph on Paul Giamatti. Oh, uh, get in. Which I completely missed. So apologies, but we're getting there. I, actually, I know why you missed this. It's okay. You actually had the magazine rolled up and you were trying to swat the fly. So that's you didn't pretty stop much it. I mean, to read it. That's about as legit, okay. as, an ex- as, legit as an excuse I can give you for my downfalls <laughs> and my shortcomings as a presenter. Anyway, let's. I'm furious about this. This goddamn fly has ruined everything. But never mind. Um, don't hate flies, by the way. But yeah, they, they will test your patience. <laughs> <laughs> they will fix your door. They will fix your door. The audacity of them. What a dick move. Anyway, uh, inside the magazine, it says a cultish role for Giamatti is what the headline is. A brilliant picture of Paul Giamatti looking a lot like Walter White from Breaking Barber's hands, <laughs> sort of in a, in a menacing position as he sits in a spotlight, black and white, with the Bordak Hoffman head on. <laughs> the paragraph reads as follows. Paul Giamatti has played many demanding characters for the stage and screen, but none of them could have prepared him for his physically demanding turn as Bojack Horseman in this haunting new miniseries, American Dead Girls, The Sarah Lynn Story. And the quote from Giamatti reads, I had to eat so many muffins and apple fritters <laughs> to bulk up for the role. I never want to look at another pastry again, says Giamatti. I found the character of Bojack to be incredibly complex and contradictory, a true enigma. Why would a horse repeatedly eat so many muffins if they've 
if they filled him up with such regret. <laughs> and aren't, you, aren't you glad that I went back and got that one, man? That's incredible. I love that. And the, oh, tiny, love that. the tiny closing quote at the bottom there that just, from Giamatti, that just says, dot, 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 I just became a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh lovely. fantastic lovely. stuff. Fantastic stuff. But I did promise you one last thing. So you got that little bonus. One last thing, though, and then I swear to God, I will shut up about this forever. Um, is this, uh, basically, what is the song, Michael, that we heard in this episode? It is, of course, A Horse With No Name, isn't it? A Horse With No Name, which not only, of course, is a reference to the horse from Horse and Around, Michael, who is a horse with literally no name, but... Inside those lyrics, you'll find a few treats. But I think this one is probably the one you should focus on. Because in the second second verse, I guess? No. Five lines in in the lyrics, Michael, we have this. What's the first thing that they met, as the lyrics will tell you? The first thing I met was a fly with a buzz, it says in the lyrics. And what is it that Bojack meets in this episode? Nice. A whole bunch. I'll be fair. It wasn't the first thing he met, admittedly, in the episode, but that feels way too pointed for them to have chosen so to yeah. be a fly in this episode. They know what they're doing. That's a nod to the to the song. And if it wasn't, I tell you what, you're a bunch of lucky, lucky bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was so telling. That's nice. I like that. You, you can go through there, by the way. I won't do it now because I realise we're running slightly long. But there's a whole bunch of wonderful stuff in those lyrics for you to dive into. And I reckon the most meaningful of all, Michael, might just be la, 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 la. And while you laugh, Michael, while you laugh at me, you think I've, I've, I've suckered you in here with a joke, but where is it that Bojack is probably going to head back to, Michael? Oh, right, yeah. Hey, you see, you fell right into me trap because la, la, la is L-A, L-A, L-A. And that is exactly where our horse is headed. Well, you see, it was worth a yeah, wait. I thought it was worth a wait. Look, we lure them in and we knock them out of the park, just like an episode of Bojack Horseman. Anyway, yeah. those are all of our little things for this episode. But before we do shoot off, a little quick bit of self-promotion. As always, you can find this podcast, if you have enjoyed it, on Twitter or Instagram, at Podcast Horseman are the social accounts you can find us on. Please do tweet us your favourite bits from the show. Tweet us your thoughts, your abuse, your anything, whatever you want. <laughs> Talk yourself horse about a talking horse. That is why we started this podcast. We want to grow the community and continue to do so with this podcast. You can also follow either of your hosts of this podcast. You can follow myself, Adam Nicholas, on Twitter or Instagram at It's Adam Nicholas. And you can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. And um, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love it to leave a five-star review. You can subscribe, uh, so you can follow, excuse me, on Spotify. You can subscribe on Acast, pretty much anywhere that you can get podcasts, you can find ours. And of course, you can listen along through that Ad Podcast Horseman Twitter account. Every Friday, the new episode will be uploaded. You can listen along through their player, or it'll take you through through their Acast link. Um, and again, as we said, if you want to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be lovely. Gets us up the charts, gets more people to find us in the search, gets more people talking themselves horse about a talking horse which is what Hibar Arshad, I can't apologise enough for butchering the pronunciation of that Hibar, for leaving us a five-star review. Um, you will be getting your start on Hollywood Talk of Fame. The review goes as follows. 
and Masterclass for Review Podcasts. We love that kind of charming dialogue. Quote, absolutely amazing. I love review podcasts, but very rarely do I find one that gets me to experience the episode all over again. I don't often laugh at jokes second time around, but your delivery honestly has me laughing at jokes all over again. Keep it up, lads, and thank you for brightening up my life. Thank you for brightening up our life with that review. That really is too kind. Thank you very much. A star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame will be winging its way over to you very soon. I am a little bit concerned, though, because this is clearly a review for Podcast Fake Namington that's been left there. And this <laughs> is actually Podcast Horseman, which is quite embarrassing. I can see where the confusion would come from, but we'll take it nonetheless, Michael. We'll it's it's dropped it. into our feed now. That's ours. Those guys, hey. at, Hambone, those guys at Hambone Horseman are going to have to live without that one. <laughs> they get more listeners than us anyway. I've seen their they stats. They do. They've got much better stats. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, their horse is at least a good one. Ours is just a piece of shit. So you know, <laughs> maybe they maybe they need it more than we do. Who knows? Anyway, our, our host is bullshit. <laughs> their host makes our host look like bullshit. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about something that's really great here, Michael, because the Netflix synopsis for next week's episode has got me very excited because I've just realised that well, this is a podcast, Michael, that is supposed to be about. Bojack Horseman and Podcast Horseman and the episodes that come with the horse who we all know and love. We've had one episode without him. Then we've had this episode with him. And now, Michael, season four, episode three. <coughs> Hooray! Todd episode! <laughs> Helpful to a fault, Todd is spread thin doing favours for Princess Carolyn, Mr. Peanut Butter, and a visitor with a potential connection to Bojack Michael Hamflet. I wonder... If anybody can remember the end of season three, who that could potentially be a reference to, because we've seen mystery figures on this podcast before and on this show indeed before. But I guess if you want to find out, you're going to have to come back next week. Can you believe it? Can't believe it. <laughs> They're coming back and Bojack will probably have returned to la, 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 by this point. Who knows? Anyway, I've lost my mind. This fly is about to get absolutely politely thrown out of my flat is what I'll tell you all but I don't know if it's going to go down like that as always I've been Adam Nicholas I've been Michael Hamflin the fly has been the fly and this uh, has been Podcast Horseman Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy so I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com style.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.